Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. I'm here with Hannah Guinness, Olive's drinks writer, and we're going to chat through 10 things you need to know about alternative spirits. Hi, Hannah. Hello. Um, If people don't know, Hannah writes a column every month for us in Olive um, called The Measure, where she does various things. There's cocktail recipes, there's recommendations for new booze, there's recommendations for alcohol-free alternatives. Um, And I noticed that you did a column, I think it was in March issue, where you talked about some new and up-and-coming alternative spirits, which is what inspired this podcast. So we're going to talk through some familiar ones, some ones I've never heard of, um, and some completely new ones. Um, So let's kick off with one that's become a lot more popular recently, which is Mezcal. Tell us about that. So Mezcal is uh, another agave spirit like tequila. Um, It's very similar, but it's made differently to tequila. Um, So it's made from the agave plant, and the agave plant is basically slow-roasted in a earthenware pits in the ground. And that's what gives mezcal um, its uh, really smoky flavour. Also, tequila can only be made with one type of agave plant, whereas mezcal can be made with a huge variety. So what that means is you get lots of different flavours from funky and earthy to like herbaceous and fruity. Mm. Um, so it's a really versatile spirit and you can use it in things like margaritas and negronis. So basically it would just give you... It's in the same family as tequila when you're thinking about how it's going to Mm -hmm. taste, but you get this extra level of smokiness or complexity. Definitely. Um, I mean, tequila is great, but um, I just really like mezcal for that that sort of smoky, earthy funkiness. Mm. Um, It's quite full on when you try it for the first time. But um, I think particularly if you like um, peaty whiskeys, you know, it's that smoky kind of element. Um, I think you'd like mezcal. Amazing. Um, okay, the next one, I definitely hadn't heard of it, which is uh, Mastija or Mastija. Um, tell us about that. It's from Greece, isn't it? So, yeah, I first, um, so Mastia, um, Mastia, I want to say Mastia, liqueurs have been around for a long time. Um, they're made with the resin from the bark of mastic trees on a Greek island called Chios. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know too much about them until I came across a new spirit called Axia, which is a modern um messier spirit which is extra dry okay um and it's really really when i tried it it was really really interesting it's like very savory very herbaceous um i think it would probably make a really good dirty martini nice um so this is a a spirit that's it's been around a long time Mm. in being made in traditional way and this new um the one that you tried is just like a modern interpretation of it yes that's right what what kind of thing would you um mix it with um, so I think, as I said, martinis would be really good. Mm. Um, I think you could probably mix it with tonic water okay. or with soda water, sort of like a really light, refreshing highball. Um, I would treat it like a really herbaceous gin. It's not the same, obviously, but if you're thinking about, um, how you'd use it. How to pair it. Yeah. It, yeah. Something like, yeah, a very kind of herbaceous, savory gin. Nice. Lovely. The next one is another familiar one, but I think it's having a comeback. 
Um, this is Calvados. Calvados is an apple brandy um, made in Normandy. Um, it's made from cider apples mm. and it's similar to cognac, which is a great brandy, also made in France. Um, so it's kind of dark in colour, it's Asian oak, oak vessels. It's quite strong. It's 40% ABV, mm. but it does what it does have is it's dry, but it has a really lovely, like, apple flavour. Yeah, lovely. Um, so I, I really like it. It works really well in things like, um, so somewhere, where, a cocktail where you would use cognac, like a sidecar, which is orange liqueur, lemon juice, and cognac usually. Mm. If you swap the cognac for Calvados, nice. that's delicious. Um, you can also have a Calvados and tonic. That's really nice. Mm. And there are lots of, um, there's a, Calvados is kind of appearing on cocktail lists more and more. Um, and there's some interesting new brands coming out. So Sassy, which is a, a French cider brand, okay. have released their own Calvados. Mm. And there's another nice brand called Avalon as well. So you would normally get people who make cider moving into Calvados or doing it alongside because you've obviously got the the source apples there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite common um, if you make cider in, in the north of France um, to potentially make Calvados as well. Mm. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one, which is Aquavit, which I have heard of, but I've never tried it. And this is a Scandinavian spirit, I believe. Yeah, so it's made across Scandinavia. Um, it's usually pale to kind of yellow in colour and it's flavoured with um, things like caraway and also dill's quite common as well. Um, it's usually made, it's a potato or grain-based spirit, mm. um, sort of quite strong. Um, it's And it usually it traditionally has quite an earthy, um, savoury, spicy flavour. Mm. So it's quite full-on. Again, you know, Aquavit has been around for a really long time, but um, recently I came across um, a new brand called, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but Nuet, mm -hmm. N-U-E-T. Um, and they're, they're sort of pushing, they're sort of presenting Aquavit as a, almost like a modern gin alternative. Oh, okay. Um, so they've made this really lovely um, spirit that still has that earthy sort of hint of caraway, but it's also citrusy and it's just really bright mm. and fresh. Um, I've tried that in a martini as well. It's really nice. nice. And I think it would be really lovely with tonic water as well. So do you think people are, because we know we know from online with Olive that gin is massive and continues to be massive. Mm. And, you know, people are always doing searches for gin. Do you think it's that thing of people are looking for like the next, the next gin a lot of the time or something that's in the ballpark of that, good, that like, as you said, isn't just a sweet spirit. It's something that can take down a savory kind of, road as well yeah I think there's a big um I think there's a definitely think one of the bigger trends we're going to see is a preference for more savory spirits mm. um I feel like I've seen um gin brands release um kind of savory herbaceous gins with, with lots of botanicals specifically mm. designed to be, be a bit more um on less on the sweet side yeah um I think also you know there is like you know there are so many spirits made across the world yeah and I think it is like savvy brands and, and producers thinking, actually. <laughs> let's get on the next. <laughs> yeah, like let's get on the gin bag yeah. <laughs> big gin bandwagon um, and, and just see if it, you know. And it, again, like something like um, some of the spirits I mentioned here, you can swap, you know, yeah. with with spirits like vodka or or gin or, have a bit of an experiment. or whiskey or anything. Yeah. yeah, and play around with them and, and, and they... They're delicious. But also, as you said, you know, a lot of these have been um, crafted for years. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of that 
amazing craftsmanship behind them, mm. you know, and a lot of the skill behind the making of them. So they're they're really good things to buy and good alternatives to try. Tell us about number five, Amare. So these are um, a big family uh, of Italian bittersweet drinks, mm. um, and they really—I mean—they're really huge in flavour. So um, on one, on usually they range from the sort of light aperitivo um, style of drink, which you might have before dinner, um, and I could count something like Campari or um, Aperol in this, um, towards the other end, which are more like digestifs, and they're a bit more darker, mm. herbal, quite intense. So brands like um, Montenegro, Averna, um, Fernet Branca, and they're the kind of drinks that you might sip after dinner, and they're quite punchy. Yeah, so you, you kind of have a little a little glass of them, don't you? You don't actually. Would you normally mix them, or I mean, I know you um, would with the Camparis and the. It's traditionally you'd sip meat or maybe add a topped coffee, but again, you could you could experiment with using them um, mm. in in a cocktail like a Negroni. Yeah. Or I mean, a lot of these drinks, you know. Like spritzes are hugely popular. Mm. Um, but in Italy, they won't just use Aperol spritz. They might use Chinal, which is like an artichoke-based one. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you can play around with them. They're just they're quite bitter. They just range. Yeah. It, well, what, 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 what the range is is how bitter versus sweet they are. So some are quite full-on, like Fernet Branca is very like yeah. in your face. Yeah. Whereas something like Aperol is... It's quite, it's quite, quite sweet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that that bitter that bitter flavour isn't something that, you know, we've embraced, I guess, as a nation in drinks because so, some people can find the bitterness is too much, can't they? Definitely. But I think our palates are, def- are becoming more accustomed to it. And mm. again, another trend I'm seeing is um, a preference for more bittersweet drinks, um, right. particularly actually um, in non-alcoholic, in the non-alcoholic yeah. sector, there's a lot of um, I think the big thing first was gin alternatives, and those definitely are still really popular. Mm. But I'm seeing a lot of um, non-alcoholic, bittersweet, almost aperitivo style drinks. Yeah. Um, like there's a really lovely one called Tuscan Tree, nice. um, which I really like. Um, and actually, if I'm not drinking, um, I often quite have like having those because mm. just they've got loads of botanicals and flavourings in them, so it just feels like you're sipping on something. Okay, and then something I have had in Chile, actually, I had pisco. Um, this is, and I know a little bit about this because, um, the Chileans who I was with insisted that they'd invented it. And, um, and then I've since met Peruvians who insisted they invented it, but it's a really interesting spirit, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I wrote a little, I did a little roundup, um, which is, you can find at olivemagazine.com mm. of different Pisco. So I did a bit of research and like you said, um, who invented Pisco is like hotly contested. Yep. Um, and the spirits are both quite tightly regulated in each country. Mm. But um, a pisco you'll have in Chile would be pretty different to one you have in Peru. Mm. Um, just for example, um, the types of grapes, because you can use a whole combination of different grapes or single variety. Um, what's permitted is different um, in Peru than what, what's permitted in Chile. Um, probably one of the most significant differences is in Peru, you can't age Pisco, but in Chile that you can. Yeah. So um, obviously once you age spirit, um, it takes on a whole bunch of new flavours. Um, so I've had a, I've had a couple of aged Piscos, which have been really different to the unaged ones. Mm. But um, it's really lovely. You know, obviously a Pisco sour is delicious. Yeah, it's great. Um, and most Piscos, clear Piscos, will have a sort of lovely, really fresh, fruity, citrusy flavours. Um so again, it's one of those clear spirits like Aquavit um, that you could just uh, play around with and you, or just use as you would a, a gin or a vodka. Yeah. Um, and just see what you like, really. See, yeah. see, see, see what goes 
goes well. Um, also something aquavit, um, I think would also be delicious in a sort of Scandinavian cosmopolitan. Oh, okay. Cranberry, yeah. just as a sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Great. And the next one, which is by Joe, I, I know you spent quite a lot of time in China, so you know, probably a quite familiar with this spirit but um tell us about that so um baijiu is it's actually it's one of the most widely drink dr- widely drunk spirits in the world um but in the uk we don't really know much about mm. it um i think there is a baijiu bar in liverpool i think it's still open but it's made um it's made from grain um and it's it's really distinctive so when i was in china um which is more than 10 years ago i probably had some cheaper baijiu's that weren't that nice but mm. it's very um, it can have, um, it's very funky. Some people have described some of the aromas of flavours as rotting fruit. Nice. Um, <laughs> which can be a bit of a Marmite experience, but generally the really good ones um, are really complex and there's all sorts of like nutty, fruity, spicy, funky flavours. Mm. Um, it's quite strong and it's very full on. So if you're tr- if you're experimenting with it, I think just try and um, maybe add a little dash um, to different cocktails, I think a little probably goes. How would you drink it far. traditionally? Traditionally, um, I think you just have it neat. Just have it neat. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, what, what I would suggest is to go somewhere that knows what it's talking about and will have a menu of baijos and it'll. Mm. You know, because I think the very the very best ones are really expensive. Really good. Are, yeah, yeah, they are really good. Um, but I think with that, I would definitely ask an expert to recommend one. Yeah, cool. Definitely worth investigating. And the next one, Hannah, which I was surprised to see on the list is pachin because I never thought of that as a as a kind of premium spirit or I I actually have had pachin which has possibly been made under dodgy circumstances but um I went online and found that there's lots of good quality ones now so tell us about the um tell us about that clear very punchy spirit Mm. um some of the ABVs can go a bit crazy so I think like 70% 70% plus. I mean, is that legal to sell it at 70%? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I did find I did find a 70% pachina on a on a very reputable website. So assuming that is fine, but God, you'd have to go really carefully with it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean it's as I guess it's fine. You just use you just definitely don't do a double. No. <laughs> just do a tiny, tiny amount. Yeah. And I have seen that in cocktails around. I think people are using it. Yeah, I think um, it's. De- I've definitely seen it come across a bit more, and I think people are getting more interested in it. Mm, interesting. Number nine is one that people might have come across in their travels. Yenova, tell us about that. So Yenova is a Dutch spirit. Um, it's thought to have to be what inspired gin in the UK. Again, all these debates about where spirits come from more is a bit disputed, but I think the idea is that um, English soldiers fighting in um, the Netherlands tried this great new drink that was flavoured with juniper and then brought it back to the UK. But again, it's one of those things where the origins are sort of slightly lost in time. But um, it's a Dutch spirit and it's a blend of two distillates, sort of similar to whiskey and gin, but the key uh, difference is that it's flavoured with juniper. Um, It won't taste exactly like gin. Um, It tends to be a bit more malty and full-bodied and quite rich. So that's where the whiskey side of it comes in. yeah. Yeah. It's usually, I think, made from malted grains. Yeah. And what have you what have you drunk that in? Do, can you use that in a cocktail, or is do you drink that kind of straight up? Um, it's traditionally drunk neat, but you could definitely. I would say, I'm thinking maybe like an old fashioned would be really good. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't mm. it? Definitely cool. And your last one is inspired by something you um, drank at Christmas, which 
which I love the sound of, which is a kind of cherry or fruity type liqueurs. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, uh, I something I've noticed, I, I feel like cherry liqueurs and cherry flavoured spirits are a bit of a thing across Europe. Um, in Portugal, you have one called Ginha, mm-hmm. which I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and that's made with sour cherries and that's delicious. It's very mm. like tart sweet. Um, in Poland also, um, cherry vodka, cherry flavoured vodka is oh, also yeah. really popular. Um, I don't speak any Polish at all and I can't pronounce it. But if you're Polish, you'll be very familiar with it. Um, and I had a one flavoured with, it was, I think, cherry and, and black chocolate, actually, which is wow. really good. Um, and there's also, um, they also do lovely honey flavoured vodkas as well. And they're quite sweet. But so that means they're quite good for like shotting, which is how I was encouraged <laughs> to enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's quite traditional, isn't it? Yeah. Um, thanks, Hannah. Some really lovely ideas there that people can go out and um, try. And as usual, um, all of your measure stuff is online, isn't it? So people can go and, and look up any of those drinks if they want to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting to us today. Right, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.